Our theme for this year is taken from what Paul said to the Philippians. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. That's uh, Philippians 3.14. So in order to move onward, we're going to need to know where we're going. Now, God has called us heavenward. That means he's not called us uh, to end our life. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha. There's a bit of ring. Thank you. Um, It means that you have a heavenly design to your life. And that sounds vague and super spiritual, doesn't it? But it actually is much simpler than that. You are the only one who can express the mystery of God to your world. You are the only one that can express the mystery of God to your world. Have you ever wondered why God doesn't just show up in your life, to your neighbors, to your friends, your co-workers? So often we want God to move around us, but God wants to move through us. He has designed your life to be the expression of Christ that your world needs. Let me say that again. He has designed your life to be the expression of Christ that your world needs. So in order to move in heaven's direction, we must be able to follow God. And you cannot follow God unless you hear his voice. Now, when I was going through today's sermon back this past week, I am, I'm reminded of, of some of the things that I've said over the years. And one of the things I said that is hitting the people of God, and I see it today, is that we have to realize that there is a, an aspect to our faith that isn't just a Sunday-by-Sunday Sunday thing. It is a life of which we hold fast to who God is and we are expecting the expression of who God is in our life. We hold fast to who God is and we are expecting that character to be expressed in our lives each and every day. It means it's no longer a faith. Uh, it, we've, we've learned from, from past generations of what our, what, who God is and what he's all about. But there has to be a, a dynamic of our own faith that we will walk out in purpose. Knowing and an expectation that wh- who he says he is, he in fact will express in and through our lives. Because the world today will love to shake your faith. There are a lot of people that I've ministered to over the last, and it's getting out, we're in 2020. I've been in ministry coming this November 11th of 2020. I will have been in ministry for 35 years. 
How I know that is I also will be married 35 years. <laughs> Not on the same day, of course. I got married before I went into being a, a full-time pastor. But um, each of those moments are milestones for me. And so when I, I look at my life from back then to where it is today, I thought I would... I never thought I would see the things I've seen today, back then. There are people today that I thought would never walk away from their faith, but they have. I never thought that I would see people who are disappointed in God and walk in that disappointment today. Because what I've known it to be and what I've experienced is far greater than what I, am, I see in other people. I've seen the Holy Ghost move in power and anointing, healing someone from, a, from the effects of a stroke. In this, in this sanctuary... You can't get away from that. There's no medicine that does that. And yet there are people that walk around in disappointment saying, well, it hasn't happened to me. I'm still hurting. I'm still in pain. Yeah? Well, let's just believe God for his goodness and, his, and who he is for this year of 2020. Let's believe because... It says in his word that everywhere he went, he healed people of all kind of diseases. I've stopped trying to figure him out of why he does this and doesn't do that. All I, all I can believe in is what he says he is, and that is it. Because if we're planning to move onward as a church, we have to, we have to start settling some things in our, in our mindsets that this is, what, this is the way it is and we don't deviate from the purpose or the plan or the, the forwardness of what he wants to establish in and through our lives. If you allow doubt to filter in and, and disseminate the factors of what God and who he is, then you're going to be behind the eight ball all the time. Because that which you believe is there, if it isn't there, it won't be. Does that make sense? I knew I was going to get in trouble here. <laughs> because this, is, this, this message is a little bit on my, this is going to come from my heart a little bit, and I, I, I'm trying really hard to stay focused. But... I have to settle, I have, when we talk about the, the voice of God, we have to also understand our faith. Because if you can't, if, if you don't allow to understand where your faith or how your faith works, then you won't be able to hear sometimes what he's saying. Hebrews 11.1 1 says this, it says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. The conviction of their reality. Faith comprehends as fact 
what cannot be expressed, experienced by the physical senses. See, you have to have a faith that understands that you may not be able to physically sense it, but you still have the conviction that it is there. It goes on in that same chapter in verse 6. It says, Without faith is impossible to walk with God and please Him for whatever comes to God must necessarily believe that God ought to exist and that he rewards those who diligently, earnestly seek him. You see, you get what you believe. And if you don't believe, if you, if you waver on that, you will get that waverness and that doubt and it begins to fester and it begins to bring forth things that you never thought you would believe in a decade. But it's there because you've allowed the seed to grow. Yeah. <clears throat> it is imperative. If you want to hear the voice of God, you have to believe that he exists. And you have to take his word, and I don't have a physical Bible, but you have to believe that the Bible is the truth. He is the only way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through him. I'm not saying that God can't speak through things, but when it comes down to true faith and understanding what heaven and being onward and seeing heaven manifested in our lives, we have to believe in who God is and we have to take hold of the truth. If he says he's a God that heals, he's a God that heals. If he says that he's a God that's good, he's a God that's good. But I don't feel it. Go back to faith. Let me read the first verse of chapter 11. Now, faith is the assurance, the title deed, the confirmation of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed, in brackets in the Amplified Bible it says, And it's the evidence of things not seen, the conviction of their reality. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. So why is that so important? Because if I tell you about God's voice, you have to be able to understand that your faith is a part of that voice. I know I'm going to be all over the place this morning, but I am believing for greater things than my ability to organize myself. (laughs) John 10, verse 27 says this, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I want to say something. Fear not, you were made to hear the voice of God. If you want to hear God's voice, you already can. And some believers are hung up on this. They believe they can't hear God, so they move into doubt and shame and spin their wheels in the same old cycles. 
Some believers don't bother listening to God's voice, even though they know he speaks. They go through their days and weeks with the audio on mute. Unlike a spouse or a parent or a child, God doesn't seem to complain when you ignore him. And in their ignorance, they live far short of the freedom and fulfillment they were born for. But that doesn't have to be. You can hear God already. You just have to know who you're listening for. In Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, it says this, And when Jesus was baptized... Immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I'm well pleased. Wouldn't it be great if God spoke to all of us with a megaphone? Just like Monty Python's Holy Grail. He'd part the clouds and shout at us when he needs our attention. Why doesn't it work that way? It only happened to Jesus a couple of times. And he heard the same voice that you and I do. And every time God spoke to Jesus from the heavens, he only had one message, and that is, this is my beloved son. This means that the most crucial element in hearing God's voice is not his method of speaking, it's his nature. You see, if you don't understand who God is, you won't be, you'll find it difficult to hear him. You have to know his nature. You cannot hear from a God who does not exist. But once you understand that God, what God is like, you can hear his broadcasting on all channels. Once you understand who God really is, you'll discover he's actually speaking to you all the time. Who is God to you? Let's read Psalm 29 and find out. Find out the qualities of his voice, the essence of his character. They're the same. The Bible says God puts his word above his own name. This means what God says is always consistent with his character. And his character is revealed through Christ, the true word. Verses 1 and 2. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. This is what it means for God to be holy. He's not subservient to any other voice. He doesn't check in with your boss or your wife or your finances before he speaks to you. God is not subject to your emotions. 
God is sensitive to the forces that are affecting your life, but he's not submitted to them. When you're afraid, God doesn't validate your fears. When you're anxious, God doesn't give you more to worry about. You must believe that God is above every other God in order to truly hear him. God is above every other God in order for you to hear him. You must understand that. Understanding the background to this psalm is very, is, is, a, is quite enlightening in the sense that the writer is David, but, in, but its, its inclusion has a lot to do with um, some of the things that Israel faced. Now, there's two thoughts of gods. There's pantheism and dualism. Pantheism is that everything kind of melts together and everything speaks of God and comes together as God. Dualism is there is matter which is bad and spiritual which is good. Now, why am I pointing this out? Because in this day and age, there's, if you are not understanding the attack upon your own faith, you will end up, you'll end up bringing pantheism and dualism into your theology and how you hear the voice of God. If you think that God's going to endorse another God's message, you'll either be confused by his silence or else you'll attribute another voice to him. I don't have enough money. I'm worried about these bills. False gods come in the... the, the background of the, the self-talk that says you need to work harder. You aren't enough. You'll never make it. You need to cut corners. It's okay to cheat on your taxes when you're far behind. How could it be possible to be generous when I just don't have enough for myself? There's all these voices that will come in and will confuse you. It's so good to just cut here and do a little that and it's okay. But a voice from heaven says, I am your provider even before you're perfect with your finances. I will take care of you. That is the character of God that comes out of his word. But so many of us I don't have it with me. I was going to throw, show you my wallet. So much of, so many of us live by the theology of my wallet.
we live in a time where the things we thought we could put our trust in no longer are being able to be there for us. I've, I've heard your stories. Some of you have been worried about your finances and about job security. If I just had this job or if I just did this, maybe I will be, I'll, I'll be set up. I'll be able to do it. In your knower, you have to be able to hold fast to his word that he is your provider. He will bring you through. Your lack is not the place that's going to destroy you. It's the place where faith kicks in and you hear the voice of God. And you see him work his power. But I've done all that, and I'm still in the same place. I want you to understand something. God is still working in your reality, whether you think he is or not. We sing about it all the time. God knows where you are. And the things that you face are there to bring forth his character so that your faith can excel to the next level. Many people just wait to say, well, you know, I'm going to give money in the offering plate when I have a little bit more money. Well, if God can't, if you can't use what you've got in wisdom with him, then you won't use it when you've got lots. God's not finished with where you're at. He's going to become real in a greater way with where you're at. The whole tender of those first two verses, and I could get, like this may be a two-hour two, uh, two sermon, but I, I, don't, I don't want to go there, but there's the, 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 the psalmist tells us to ascribe to the Lord. It's not just something that he just gives to us. It's something that we have to give back to him. There's a bit of our own worship that has to come from our lives to him. It's something that we, we give, we honor, we glorify. If you can't hear his voice, I'm, I'm going to be a little bit bold here and say, well, I, I'm wondering if you're giving anything to him. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm wondering if you're honoring him and who he is. I'm wondering if you're giving him glory for the things that you already have. We're so good at pointing out the things we don't have, but we sometimes don't stop to say thank you and honor to the things that we already have in him. (laughs) 
we hear the voices, oh, I've messed up again. I'm so ashamed. The false gods say, well, you should be ashamed. You're only as good as what you do. When will you ever learn? You're going to be judged for this. You might as well give up. The voice from heaven says, neither do I condemn you. I forgive you. I give you the grace to be free from all of this. I do not define you by what you do. I already have defined you in my own image. The main issue here, and I, I, I am so convinced of this, the main issue here in these two first two verses is not just a desire to listen to the right voice among many. It is not just the desire here to hear the right voice among many. It is the involvement of our own voice joining his voice, which is above all others. Giving him the credit, the honor, and the ability to deliver us from all other voices. Where does our involvement go when the voices come? Does it work? Do we work out our... our, do, Do we have works of faith or do we have works of doubt? The issue here is not hearing the the right voice among many. It is the involvement of our own voice joining his, ascribing to the Lord, giving him credit, honor, and the ability to deliver us from all other voices. Number two, he is the voice above the waters. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The glory of the Lord is. Thunders, the Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The waters, especially in the Old Testament, always represent the hostility and chaos of our everyday lives. The waters could be anxiety and fear. The waters could be a situation you can't avoid or escape. The waters could be a crisis. It feels like it's going to capsize you. The waters are any circumstance beyond your control that creates chaos and challenges your life and speaks death to any or part of your life. Chaos is not solved by resignation or understanding. Getting my drift, if there's chaos where everything seems to be out of control, everything seems to be amiss, everything seems to be blowing up, is not because to get through that, it's not just I need to understand it or I need to resign to all of this stuff and just kind of wait it out. Chaos, in order for it to bring, uh, for order for you to overcome chaos, you have to have order. You have to submit to truth. Your voice might get drowned out by your circumstances, but his voice, truth, is always above the waters. This is why you need to have an ongoing conversation with God. God knows you're out at sea. He knows how big the waves are, and we are going to face situations that feel beyond us. Until we understand he is truth and that his voice is above the waters. We're not witness, we, are, we will not witness the calming of our storm or hear his voice. 
Your crisis is not in the way of you hearing God. Your crisis is the perfect setting for you to hear God. It might not be immediate, and it might not be what you expect, but God doesn't give you pat answers or pep talks. He always speaks a word of peace because he doesn't cause chaos or confusion. It's kind of like this. If you've ever been to Ottawa, how many of you have been to Ottawa except for Brad? I don't want him to raise his hand because he's there all the time. But if you've been to Ottawa, if you've been to Ontario, there is a lock system. There are, they, the way you move from lake to lake is you have to take your big ship through the locks. Now, what I'm trying to get at is they've created a system where water works for you. You're able to do certain things with water. Why? Because they've established locks. Locks are things that have been built. They are structures that contain water and bring water to help you. It's the same aspect of truth. You need truth in order to bring order to all of the things that can overwhelm you. The chaos can overwhelm you and take you further in, and, and you can become the, the circumstance of all of that chaos. You can experience all of that chaos and come into naught. It, could, it feels like death is overwhelming you. Now some of you may be in that position right now. There is chaos overwhelming you. But chaos is not the final word. Chaos is there in order for us to understand that it can, with truth, bring order to your life. I want to say right now is that in this day and age, sometimes we are so chaotic, we don't even know when chaos is taking place. Because we have accepted everything and done everything and we kind of move and to and fro and we don't understand that there is order. And the order comes in form of truth. And truth comes from the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing comes from the word of God. Right. Where else do we hear the voice? Number three, verses five to seven. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf or Sirlon like a wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. God's agenda is not tied to any political or national agenda. I knew I'd get a big amen for that. <laughs> He's not the mascot for any one particular party or interest. You can trust that he will remain above the fray. <laughs> I'll, I'll, can I tell you a little story? My, my son and I, we have this ongoing thing with each other that we have, we have political opinions. And we, 
And we're somewhat the same, but somewhat the different. And there are, and I, there have been times where Connor has come upstairs and is just, he is beside himself because of the political things that are taking place in the world today. And I go, been there, done that, worn the t-shirt. <laughs> I remember I was livid about Clinton. I was livid, 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 livid. I thought, how in the world can this guy lead a country when he lies full face to the people of the United States? I thought, yet nothing happened. They tried to impeach him. And now we've come first circle into another impeachment, and quite frankly, that's where I say, been there, done that, worn the t-shirt. Because quite frankly is, I've, if I allow myself to get involved in that, then I put the voice of my God into all of that realm of voices. And I, there, there are good and bad things on either side of the table, but the fact is, is that quite frankly is, my God is above the nation's. The voice is above that agenda. The voice is so much so that we need to understand that he has dominion from sea to sea, to sea, to the American border. And then there's chaos. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Don't, don't, don't get mad. I'm just trying to be funny here. I'm trying to, under, I'm trying to say that, that church... I see it so often is that when we start losing the voice of God on our own, in our own personal lives, we have to fill that voice with something else. And for many people, they fill it with the political voice. Or they'll fill it with the religious voice. Because they need something to believe in. And quite frankly, the political or the religious voice will not give you full freedom and will not allow you to experience heaven on earth. No matter how good they talk. I know some of you are mad at me. Some of you can get over it. It's okay. I still love you. The other part to this is, is that it's hard to hear God over the sound of our own opinions. It's hard to hear God over our popular judgments. So much of our lives are subject to the forces of media, entertainment, politics, national interest. Even without thinking about it or signing up for it, we find ourselves drawing conclusions along cultural lines. We decide we, what we think about immigration before God can speak to us about immigrants in our neighborhood. We decide how we feel about politics because we think the greatest influence in our nation is the guy we put into the office. We decide what to do with our money based on our desires and our opportunities without noticing how the world around us has baited us into spending, into spending habits that cause us to let it all go. 
But God's voice is above and beyond those influences. He doesn't endorse your favorite politician. He doesn't hate your most despised politician either. He doesn't agree with all your opinions either. But you have to submit yourselves to the humility if, you are, if you're ready to have God question your conclusions. He wants to reveal things to you that are outside the normal mode of thinking. Amen, pastor. <laughs> Number four. He's the voice over the wilderness. Verses 8 and 9. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and the stripes the forest bear and strips the forest bear. And in his temple all cry glory. God is not silent in the wilderness. When we feel high and dry, God is primed to speak to us. Let me say that again. God is not silent in wilderness. When we feel high or dry, I hope you're not high. <laughs> God is primed to speak to us. In fact, it's often in our most lonely, discouraging seasons that God can get through us to the, the clearest. Moses, Elijah, David, Jesus, all heard God in the wilderness. In fact, it's often our most lonely, discouraging seasons that God can get through to us. Sometimes we're too afraid of silence and stillness. We don't like being alone with ourselves. Come on. <laughs> it's true. I'll speak for myself. When I, I don't like being alone, so I'll turn on Netflix. Or Crave. Or TSN. Or watch the Seahawks beat the Packers. <laughs> just had to put that in. There's a little bit of glory on that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> We want God to speak to us, so we turn on a podcast, or we add music in the car, and then we call a friend, or we turn on the television, we read a book, or we play with our kids, and we go for a run, then we head to a coffee shop. We want to meet God everywhere but the wilderness. But God's not afraid of those barren places. And he often invites us into the silence so that once we finally quieted down, both inside and outside, he can speak to us interrupted, uninterrupted. This does not mean that you need to a vow of silence to hear God. It just means that when you pause in an empty moment and turn your heart towards his voice, he will speak to you. It might be a thought, a picture. A feeling. But learning to embrace the wilderness is learning to hear the God who loves to meet with us there. Sometimes the wilderness isn't fun. And sometimes it goes longer than what we want it to. 
I've used this illustration so many times, it, I feel like I'm broken record. But when I was in between churches for 10 months and had no salary, I couldn't even get a secular job. I went to a prayer room at a Pentecostal camp and poured out my heart in a prayer chapel. And I had to come home every day. And my kids and my wife were going, did God say anything? And I said, no, we just listened. It wasn't fun. But he was hearing and he was answering. Because I got a couple of those Holy Ghost handshakes. People giving me a check here and money there. And all of a sudden, I had enough money to pay my bills. Didn't quite take me out of the wilderness, but I understood that God was good and that he was helping me and he was my provision. It was in between my time from going from Vancouver Island to here. And people often say, well, you moved to here from Vancouver Island? How silly is that? It was God. And God's not silly. You see, church, there is so much the wilderness can teach us about who he is. There's so much he wants to reveal to us. Sometimes he just needs to quiet our world so that we can hear him. But I'll tell you what, when he speaks in those times, they are powerful and you can go to the bank with those words. Because his word does not return void. And he will accomplish that of which he says. Because if you look at all the other Moses, Elijah, David, even Jesus, there are some pretty spectacular things that God did in each of their lives in the wilderness. Some of it had to do with building of character. It's not so much that God wants to relieve you of your pain. He wants you to be able to hold the answer to the pain. To be the vessel that can bring healing to others that are walking through the same pain. But unless you go through it first and understand his voice, sometimes it can be like sand through our hands. It kind of slips. But he develops character in our wilderness journeys. Just saying. That was a freebie. It's not even in my notes, but I know you're all going to say amen to that. Lastly, Verses 10 and 11, he is a God who rules. 
The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the God, may the Lord give strength to his people and may the Lord bless his people with peace. Because God rules, we can have peace. What does it mean to be king over the flood? This is the only other place, I'm not sure if oh, the only other, but it's the next place, I think it's the only other place where the word flood is used. The other was Noah. You see, God is already in charge of a world he does not control. I want you to think about that for a minute. God is already in charge of a world he does not control. Why can I say that? Because the issue of sovereignty and free will has always been a theological concept that people sometimes have a hard time with. God is sovereign over all things, yes. But he chooses to give you and I free will. Why? Because he didn't create us to be robots. He desires for you and I to worship him and love him with our heart. By our own free will. He desires that you and I love him with our free will. It would be easy to submit to God's love and care if everything were perfect, but nothing ever is. So we can always choose anxiety, restlessness, and doubt. We can always listen to fear and hopelessness because those voices are always speaking. It's not hard to hear lack or disappointment either. But none of those voices get to rule unless you enthrone them. When you remember that Jesus is already King of kings and Lord of lords, you can also remember that you are subject to a different authority. The God who loves you and saves you is the only one who gets to direct you. And when we forget that God is for us and submitting, and submitting ourselves to his direction and care feels scary, we need to remember how much he loves us and how he is leading us heavenward. It only makes sense to trust and obey. Sometimes God will speak to you as a friend. Sometimes he will speak to you as a wise counselor. But when you're out in the chaos of life, you need the authority of a king's voice. Are you hearing me? When you're out in the chaos, you need the authority of a king's voice. When you let the person of love be enthroned upon your heart, his voice can finally give strength to you. It isn't just a suggestion or a good idea. It isn't some half-hearted pick-me-up. It's a royal decree. To Jesus, hearing, this is my beloved son, wasn't just some Oh, yeah, I feel good moment. It was a life-defining encounter. 
And some of the crowd heard it as a thunder because they didn't know what the voice from heaven sounds like. But you and I can hear him. And you can trust him. It sounds like love and mercy of Jesus. And he's worthy to be listened to. Church, from this moment forward, we are moving onward. And the understanding is, all of us here in this room need to hear his voice. He is speaking over your chaos. He is speaking over the nations. And he is speaking over the wilderness. Why is that so important? Because when life is tipsy-turvy and upside down and all over the place and it feels threatening like it's going to bring death, you need a voice. When the world says, this is bad and this is good and oh my, look out folks, here comes recession. Guess what? There's a voice higher than that. And when you're in the wilderness and it's dry and it's overwhelming and it feels like there's no more sustenance there. He's there. For Elijah, it was a still small voice. For David, it was holding on to truth in the midst of persecution. For Moses, it was a burning bush. And holding on to a destiny that he was drawn out of the water for some purpose. That's what his name was. His meaning of his name was drawn out. He was drawn out of the water to lead the people into the wilderness and he should have led them out. You see, there is so much that God desires to download to his people And he is still speaking today. He is speaking to where you are at this very moment. Don't give in to the other voices. Don't give in to the voice that says, you know what, it's just time to do a little bit of little bit of cheating over here. It's okay. Or, you know what? I'm just going to give up on this and, you know, I can't fight it anymore. Or, I don't know where to find a job. Don't give in. Don't give in to those voices because those voices only bring death. Discouragement. Discouragement. 
church. We have been called to be burning ones and to move onward. And the voice of the Lord is over you. It's time to tune in the receiver and receive what he's got for you. If you feel like you're going around the mountain one more time, you need to tune in the receiver a little bit. Because going around the mountain only speaks of things that we haven't quite learned or we're not hearing. And so we need to tune in the receiver so that we can get onward and not go around the mountain one more time. If there's a situation that is totally overwhelming you, and you can't get by it. I don't want you to kill the messenger here, but I want to say he's got you right where he wants you. He's trying to tell you something. It's time to tune in the receiver to hear his voice. I remember the first time I heard the voice and I, I heard his, what he thought of me. Oh, it was life-giving. Oh, I wanted more. Oh, I got to have more. Oh, it, oh, everything's, the lights come on. The whole world comes into color before it was black and white. Because a great God reaches down into my little old life and gives me the word upon which to stand. Has it been all hunky-dory from that point on? No. That's where my faith comes in. I have to believe in those things with the conviction that they are real, even though I may not feel them. So church, the voice is there for you to receive. The voice is there for you to be encouraged. And the voice is there to move you onward.